Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Good morning. My message this morning is, how do we as Christians face 2021? Certainly from current events, we're looking at a very precarious and uncertain future here in America and around the world. So how do we respond? The answer is God's grace. Now that seems to be a rather simplistic answer. But if we drill down God's word grace, I think we will see just how appropriate that answer is. In John Bevere's book, Relentless, he revealed that in 2009, a survey was done in the Christian churches across the United States. Thousands of born-again Christians were asked to give three or more definitions or descriptions of God's grace. The overwhelming majority, 98% of those responded salvation, forgiveness of sins, and God's unmerited favor. Only 2% responded that grace is God's empowerment. Some synonyms of empowerment include words like enabling, strengthening, confidence, equipping, and being given authority. If we look at those synonyms, we should all agree that they should represent God's grace. So one should ask the question, why don't 100% of Western churches today understand that God's grace is empowerment? The answer is that most pastors are not teaching about the empowerment of God's grace. An exception is our own Pastor Marvin. Paul warns us that in the future, many pastors will preach words that only tickle the ears of their believers. So many Christians today are not being challenged. They are just being satisfied, being given salvation, having their sins forgiven, and receiving God's unmerited gifts. Although those gifts of God are not to be taken lightly, and we should be happy about that blessed assurance, I am convinced, however, that most Christians today are settling for less. So how do we come to learn and understand that God's grace is God's empowerment? Now, I'm going to be throwing a lot of scriptures at you today, so giddy up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it reads, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God spoke to Paul. He said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Peter writes, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness 
through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and godliness. Grace is always God's enabling work within us to overcome our own weaknesses. Grace is God's free empowerment, giving us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. So whenever I come to the word grace in my message this morning, I would ask you to think of grace as God's empowerment. John Bevere shared a fictional story in his book, Relentless. It addresses what we should come to understand why the church has hindered the power of God, particularly in the Western churches. A missionary group was sent to this tribe in an obscure area in Africa where the tribe members would have to walk three miles to get to the nearest water. The hunters would have to travel several miles to hunt game, and the tribe members would have to walk 35 miles to the nearest town to get supplies. The missionaries came and gifted that tribe with a brand new Land Rover. This Land Rover had all the bells and whistles, a multi-CD player, air conditioning, a rear view camera, four-wheel drive, chrome ribs, and the works. The tribal chief was very thankful, and the missionary group left and returned a year later, and to their surprise, the Land Rover was parked just as it was one year earlier. Dust covered the vehicle, and weeds had grown around it. They were still walking three miles to get water. The hunters were still traveling miles on foot to hunt game, and tribal members continued to walk 35 miles to the nearest town to get supplies. You see, the tribe was gifted with something that would empower them to make their lives more efficient and less arduous. But they had not been taught what they had and how to use it. Many of our Western churches and their pastors have failed to teach God's empowering grace and how we are to use it. So let's look for a moment at the most powerful man that ever walked the earth. His name is Jesus. Let's read some amazing scriptures about Jesus and us, his believers. In 1 John 1.16, John writes, From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you, you and me, have been given the fullness of Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Together, we are one. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one, that is all of us, should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he says in Matthew 14, 12 through 14, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Acts 4.33 says, With great power, 
the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. Ephesians 3, verses 7 and 8, Paul writes, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. Through the working of his power, although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes, For I am the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. You see, God's empowering grace through the Holy Spirit not only established Paul's identity, but it empowered and equipped him to perform God's purposes and plans. Where Paul's personal strength wasn't enough, God's grace supplied him with the power to continue God's mission, which was to spread the gospel under great danger and peril around the world. Brothers and sisters, we can do nothing for Christ that doesn't ultimately come from God's empowering grace. Empowering grace is nothing less than the power of God's Holy Spirit that enables us as Christians to live a life patterned after Jesus. God's empowering grace is the key to God's destiny for us, his church. Paul encouraged Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.1. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, God's empowering grace is more than God's will, goodwill toward us. It is his willingness to do in us and for us that which we could never achieve on our own. I'm sure you are familiar with that scripture that tells us God will never give us anything more than we can handle. Well, I think he does give us more than we can handle on our own. And that will ultimately require us to pray and ask God for his empowering grace in every difficult situation we face. The Bible also tells us that if we build our lives strictly on our own, our efforts are in vain. We can only reach our true divine destiny in the Lord if he is personally guiding, directing, and empowering us along the way. Now that we've established that grace is God's free empowerment through the Holy Spirit, let's look at some examples of empowering grace in the lives of those both in the Old and the New Testament. Let's look at Moses. There wasn't anything magical about Moses' staff. It was God's empowering grace working through Moses and his staff that ushered in the plagues of Egypt, that parted the Red Sea and sustained the nation of Israel for 40 years in the desert. God's empowering grace. Let's look at Gideon, hiding in fear in a wine press when approached by an angel of God who said, Gideon, mighty man of valor, you see, 
God wasn't seeing Gideon as he was at the time. He was seeing Gideon as he was to become. A mighty man of valor. David defeated Goliath with a rock and a sling. Survived Saul's army to attempt to kill him for years. And won every battle that he fought through God's empowering grace. Daniel, the prophet, he was connected to God in prayer his entire life. Daniel, as a young man, was taken into exile into Babylon. While in captivity, Daniel distinguished himself as a man of wisdom. He was empowered by God's grace to interpret the dreams of three foreign kings. The kings found favor with Daniel his whole life. And I might add, God empowered Daniel with the grace to look rather distasteful to a pride of hungry lions. Many of the prophets in the Old Testament that spoke the truth of God, they healed the sick, they raised the dead, and were empowered by God's grace. God's empowering grace came upon certain individuals in the Old Testament as God deemed necessary. But with the advent of Jesus' death and resurrection, all who believed were given access to God's empowering grace. That's you and me, folks. The question is, are we using it? God's Holy Spirit empowered the apostles in the New Testament. At Pentecost, all who believed and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior were gifted with God's empowering grace. The apostles were empowered to speak in foreign tongues and to prophesy, and over 3,000 were saved. And one day, Stephen, the first recorded martyr for Christ, was reported to have healed the sick and the lame. He was empowered with grace and great bravery and confidence to speak the truth to the religious leaders. He was ordered to be stoned to death. And as he was being pummeled, he looked up into heaven and witnessed Jesus at the right hand of God. The Bible says that Stephen simply went to sleep. I believe Stephen woke up in the arms of Jesus. Does God's grace keep us from suffering, persecution, or even death for our faith? No. But it will enable us to fulfill God's purposes for our lives while we're here on this earth. Are you and I willing, that's the question, to suffer for our faith? Martin Luther, empowered by God's grace to challenge the Catholic Church while under great peril and danger, spoke the truth about the abuses of the church. He bravely preached God's true word, which ultimately began the Reformation. He forever changed the Christian church and impacted the known world. But let's bring this truth of God's grace a little closer to home. Patsyota, at the age of eight, God's grace strengthened her to stand firm and not bow to a false god under great pressure from her family and other Buddhists. She remained faithful to God, and he later enabled her to save her family members and others. God empowered her with the ability 
to write about her life's experiences. And that story reached an unknown number of other Japanese people for the cause of Christ. God's empowering grace was and is upon her today. Mary Lee. God empowered her by his grace to reach out and speak to many women who were planning to abort their babies. God gave her the right words to speak. Many children and young adults are alive today because of God's empowering grace upon her life. His power is still with her today. After 25 years of leading worship and acting in plays and musicals, I went on cruise control for a few years. How many know there's no cruise control in uh, being a Christian? After praying to God and through a series of providential events, God empowered me to preach the salvation message to over thousands of people over the last five years and to grieving families at memorial services. God empowered me to speak hope to those suffering from drug and alcohol abuse for adult and teen challenge. Those same people who I at one time despised. God's empowering grace has given me the confidence to preach his word. Now, I'm not boasting about my own abilities and skills, but I am boasting of God's empowering grace operating in my life. I could never have done any of those things without God's empowering grace. Do you realize how much God needs each one of us to fulfill his purposes and plans for his church? The truth is that God is depending on each of us. Our entire lives were mapped out while we were still in our mother's womb. For in Psalm 139:16, King David wrote, Your eyes saw my informed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know that all who receive God's abundant empowering grace are freely put right with him and will rule and reign in life through Jesus? Now, you might be able to say, how can we rule and reign in life? Well, in Romans 5.17, it says, For if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those, us, who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? That's reign in this life. I have a rhetorical question to ask you this morning, and that is, are you living beneath that for which Jesus paid the ultimate price? I think if you and I are honest, most of us would have to say yes. You see, self-imposed mediocrity is a tragic shortfall of our potential to distinguish ourselves, to rule in life, and to impact our world and our community for God's kingdom. Listen, my brothers and sisters, nothing can prevent us from fulfilling God's purpose and plans through us. We can only stop at ourselves. So let's look at some things that can impede or stop God's empowerment working in our lives. Let's look at disobedience, living in sin, 
Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Let's look at shame, guilt, or condemnation. This one was a big one for me. Romans 8.33 says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Let's look at pride. James 4.6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How about lack of faith, worry, and doubt? Especially what's going on in our world right now. But in Hebrews 11.6 it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request before God. How about distraction? There's a lot of distractions in the world today. But Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us fix our eyes, which means let's focus on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How about lack of prayer? Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves. That means always and consistently devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. How about trials? Do you see them as opportunities or obstacles? James 1-2 says, Consider it all joy, my brother, when you face trials of many kinds. How about fear? I think this should be on every tablet in every home of every Christian. 2 Timothy 1-7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but that of power, love, and a sound mind. Let's look at what kinds of things help us to usher in God's empowering grace in our lives. Obedience, confidence, humility, faith, focus, prayer, vigilance, resisting the devil. Now you might say, boy, that's a lot of stuff. But you know what? God helps us to attain all those through his empowering grace and his unmerited favor. Ask, and it will be given to us. Now, I want to focus on the word humility for a moment. I was thinking about the 12 spies that God, that Moses, rather, sent into the promised land. After about 40 days, they came back, and all of them pretty much said that, yes, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Ten of them said, There were giants in the land, fortified cities, a strong people, and we looked like grasshoppers in their eyes. But Caleb and Joshua said, yes, there are giants in the land. There are fortified cities. They are a strong people. And even though we look like grasshoppers in their eyes, the same God that led us out of Egypt is the same God that will give us victory in the promised land. 
The 10 had false humility because they only looked at themselves. Caleb and Joshua had the right humility because they looked at God as their strength. What happened as a result? Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. We should not have to wander in the desert in our lives. When we believe that God is the power that all we need, we will see the promises of God. Paul says, never give up and stand firm. Paul learned this. Philippians 3.14, Paul writes, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul pressed on. Paul was shipwrecked three times, beaten several times, thrown in jail, stoned, and mocked by his fellow Jews and by Gentiles. He was finally imprisoned in Rome, held in chains until his death, but he kept pressing on. Can we endure that kind of punishment on our own? No, but only with the empowering of God's grace can we endure those things. Second Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Matthew 10, 22 says, in the last days, all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. We will be able to stand firm only with God's empowering grace. In Matthew 24, 10 through 13, Jesus says to his disciples, at that time, meaning this time, or a time soon to come, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. In Revelation 2.26, God says, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Now I'm going to read some lyrics from a song by Jeremy Camp called Same Power. And the lyrics go like this. I can see waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out, we will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us, lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm a raging sea, lives in us, lives in us. We have hope that his promises are true. In his strength, there's nothing we can't do. Yes, we know there are greater things in store. 
We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us, lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that can calm a raging sea, lives in us, lives in us. God does not lie. His promises are true. Jesus will never give up on us. How could we ever give up on him? Remember, the devil cannot get us out of the will of God. No one but God holds our destiny. God endowed us with his armor and power. There is a Land Rover in every one of our garages or carports. May no dust settle on your Land Rover or weeds grow around it because God's word is the gas. Prayer is the steering wheel that directs our path. And something wonderful and exciting happens when you read God's word and you pray. Faith happens. Faith is the accelerator. Listen, there is only drive and reverse in the Land Rover. Either we are moving forward for the cause of Christ or we're going backward, missing the mark. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, today I thank you that our future is secure in you, no matter what's happening in our country and around the world. Yes, although we are facing an unknown future this year, we need not fear for what lies ahead, for we have confidence, confidence in your word and all that you have promised us. Father, remind us daily of your great commission, prompted by love, and remind us that your empowering grace resides in each one of us and that we win in the end. Thank you that we are yours and you are ours now and forever. May God bless you in this year of 2021. And let's go out and win some victories for Jesus. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.